Hey, welcome back. This is the Multipod, and I am your host for this episode. My name is Ted. Thanks for joining us. This is um, the podcast, the unofficial, in- semi-independent podcast of the Puttyverse, which brings together multi-potentialites from around the world. And we are here to get to know them as best we can in the span of, well, say, a 35-minute conversation on this podcast. And so that's what we're doing today. And I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Joan, who's coming to us live from San Diego. Joan, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Very, very good. It's great to have you on the show. We've connected a little bit lately in the um, entrepreneurs group in the Puttyverse, which is mm-hmm. a, a quickly growing concern a growing group uh, which is great i mean you know there's always lots of demand and, and interest and people engaged in various entrepreneurial kind of pursuits or curious about it thinking about it in various stages of action including you and i so i'm mm-hmm. sure we'll touch on that uh, today and you know get to know you as well this is as we say this is what our our show is for is just to find out who's in this group and where you're from and how you found the community and stuff like that so now let's see now you joined the puttyverse um coming up on about a year ago in june of uh, 2020 so how's it been for you since you joined have you done a lot of stuff it's been good i've been i've been in and out of the puttyverse i i i came in initially just getting information i'm a person who loves like podcasts and articles and books and different things and and self-awareness is also very um, important to me so i'm always looking at things that kind of give me new insights new growth opportunities and different things. And I saw Emily's TED Talk. And uh, I think that's the entryway for a lot of people. I saw her TED Talk (laughs) and it brought a lot of things together for me. And so, of course, we were in the middle of the pandemic. We were still being part of that optimistic group. Well, we'll be back in a month and then another month and then another month. And so I had all this open time to kind of like think about life and everything. And the Puttyverse came in really key in that. And we could talk about that yeah. later. But um, yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of the focus party because I left my job. I worked 23 years in higher education. So I worked at many universities Okay. over the course of those years working in student affairs and um, my last position, I was a dean of students at, a, at an institution, and I decided to leave and do something myself. And the Puttyverse was one of the things that kind of pushed me over that edge of like, yes, you can do this, yeah, and you can do it in your own unique way. And so I started going to the focus parties because it was just another touchstone because I was like, I'm already you know, a person who I'm single, I don't have any children, have lots of friends, extended family, all of that. But um, especially in quarantine, it was like I was alone a lot. And I was also, which I don't mind. (laughs) Uh, Actually, that's a part of my personality. You know, I definitely love that. But I thought if I'm going to be working on my own and living on my own, then I mm. need to have a touchstone because, you know, when you work somewhere, that gives you all of the interaction you need, you know, sure, if you exactly. are a person who likes being in their own company. So you're like, okay, yes, I can be on at work, but then I go home and I can cocoon myself, but I didn't want to <laughs> cocoon so much <laughs> yes. uh, that I sort of like lost connection. And also I had, um, in addition to leaving my job, 
I decided I was going to move to a different state. So I decided right. I was going to move to California because I had always wanted to live in California forever and had put it off, put it off, put it off. And I decided, well, if I'm going to do this new thing and I'm going to be living my own life the way I want to live it, then I want to live it in California. And mm. I don't know anyone in California. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I had been to San Diego once and decided, yep, that's for me. And so in addition to doing this new venture on my own, I was also going to be uprooting myself from the friends and the support networks that I had in place Yeah, where I was living, which was in um, Minnesota. So I was living in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so the focus parties were really great. I found them to help me be productive because sometimes you can, when you have so much time, it's hard mm. to focus on what you should be doing. And yep. I went to my first focus party to try to help me like get things in order for my move. And I was so productive. I was just like, oh my God, you know, Pomodoros are the best. And and, <laughs> they are good. and the people were nice and they were fun and nice to talk to and connect with. And so I've been a big focus party girl. I always go to the focus parties. I've done putty thon and other things, but um, that's kind of how I engage. Yeah, it's such a great opportunity. And putty thons have been, we've been doing that for a few years, but the focus party is a pretty new thing. You know, just uh, I think since like last summer or something, maybe last fall, something like that. Mm -hmm. And when at least when it became a regular thing and it's really, really taken off, I've been to a few. And yeah, if I need some focus and just that permission to really tune everything else out and do what you need to do, get something done as best you can, you know, in a couple hours. It's it's really really good for that, and and I think it's going to stick around. I mean, they still they still do it like twice a week, is I think right. Plus a couple others for mm -hmm. different time zones too. Yeah, I actually do yeah. the ones. I I even do the ones that are uh, the European ones. They're about okay. five o'clock in the morning where I am, but I get up early, so I've been doing those. And then the Tuesdays and Thursday afternoon ones are also ones that I like, but I I really enjoy those. Mm -hmm. So when did you arrive in San Diego? I arrived in San Diego on October 1st. I drove from Minnesota by myself. And so I downsized everything. And I was like, you need to fit into my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so I drove. So I took about a week. I, I decided to like not drive for long stretches. And I had some touch points. I actually, right after I left my job, I picked up some contracting work with an organization that I had done facilitations and things for in the past. And so I was doing work for them. So they had meetings and different things of that nature. But again, as long as you have an internet connection <laughs> and Zoom, you can meet with anybody. I think that's a great <laughs> example of something that we did get out of the whole pandemic thing was like, we can meet on Zoom and I can meet with anybody, which is both a blessing and a curse. And that becoming normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it was great. I was working with an organization in Denver and I was traveling and I was living in San Diego and doing work with the people still in Minnesota. It's okay. just like so how did you choose San Diego in particular, aside from being there briefly, but I mean, was there any other particular thing that pulled you there? I think California has pulled me for many years. One thing about me is I was and am 
I guess, an Air Force brat. So my dad was in the Air Force. And so we traveled around a lot when I was younger. And when I went to college, even from college on, I tended to go to a lot of different places. So um, I was born in England and we lived in Delaware, Arkansas, Alaska, then Louisiana. My parents are originally from Louisiana. So um, I went to undergrad in New Orleans, mm-hmm. Xavier University. Yay! Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to grad school in Philadelphia. And I also spent a, a semester in Vermont when I was in undergrad. Yeah. And so after I got to grad school, I realized um, in undergrad that I wanted to work on a college campus. Uh, originally I was going to be a lawyer, but I was just like, yeah, nah, (laughs) (laughs) I think that was around the time I'm going to date myself, but that was around the time the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings were. And one of the things I used to always say was like, I'm going to be the first black woman Supreme Court justice. (laughs) And then after that, I was like, nope, not trapping my life out on the stage (laughs) (laughs) just to get a job. Not going to (laughs) happen. So realized that I wanted to do something else. And I really had such a great undergrad experience. And the people who helped me during my undergrad, it was really that place where it's self-awareness. Again, I didn't know I was a multipod then, but just like the, you could take all these classes and you can like have all these experiences. It was just great. And so um, when I decided I didn't want to go to law school, I was like, I want to work on a college campus. But for some reason, I thought the only way to do that was to be a professor. Uh Uh-huh. And so I went to grad school with the intentions of being a professor. So I went to grad school majored in African-American studies, and I was going to be a doctor of African-American studies and teach literature and women's uh, women's studies and that type of thing. Hmm. And then I got to grad school and realized I did not want to be a professor. That was not the life for me. How come? It was, there was this, this ideological like battle you had to go into. Like yeah. it was like this whole political, like, my thoughts are better than your thoughts, and my thoughts have to be the leading thoughts. And there was a lot of, like, strife in our department. I think our department, we were kind of pawned a little bit. Our department wanted more funding, so they admitted, like, this huge class of, like, master's students. And, you know, in most grad programs, they only pick the number of people they can fund, and also so that you can have, like, you know, relationships and have committees, you know, sure. you have to do a all dissertation experience. and all that good yeah. stuff like that. So we were a really big class. So it was sort of like a pitting a little bit against okay. one another for positions and, and different things of that nature. And also the funny thing is when I, when I said I wanted to be a doctor of African-American studies, I just, I just had this image of like working in the community and, you know, advocacy and community work and all this other stuff. And I got there and they were like, that's not what we do. We're scholars, mm-hmm. right? You know, so like we, you know, we do the scholastic part of this. I'm like, oh, but. It's quite removed from that community work. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was removed. It was about, which was great, but it wasn't very few of the people were actually. Like engaged. Yeah. Like engaged in that way. I mean, there, there are definitely levels of engagement when you talk about advocacy work or inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion work. There are levels. I just didn't realize that one of the levels was just doing the scholastic work. Sure. And that wasn't what I wanted. 
And that also wasn't why I wanted to work on a college campus. And what I realized quite coincidentally, I was working as a graduate resident assistant. So I worked in the residence halls, you know, you have an RA, they make sure people don't tear the building down, all this other <laughs> stuff. But I was working in graduate resident assistant and I really just got that job just to help pay for part of my housing and that type of thing. And what I realized in the process of being in a graduate program, doing the work, doing the research, there wasn't a lot of engagement. It was like a research was a very solitary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I reflected about like, so why did I want to work on a college campus? And it was really because of all of the experiences that I got. I got to, you know, be a part of organizations. I got to be an orientation leader, an RA. I got to be in a program that was designed to help people get advanced degrees. So it was about making sure that people had the resources they need to get advanced degrees. Because Xavier's an HBCU, it's a historically Black college and university. And so there was all this pouring into it. And the people that made the most impact on me were not my professors. Mm -hmm. They were the people who worked in student affairs, who worked in all of the outside co-curricular things. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can do that. And then I looked at my boss one day and was like, you have a job. You know, I'm a graduate (laughs) RA, but you're getting paid to supervise me. Like, what is that? Right. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) Exactly. And so she showed me this publication called The Chronicle of Higher Education, and they had all these job listings. And so, okay, boom, I can do this. And I got a job. I got a job as a area coordinator for housing in this little tiny town, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Really? Lake Superior State University. Uh, Yes, we have a sister state in Canada. (laughs) So uh, that's why I know the words to O Canada. Um, (laughs) And so I started off in student affairs. And then when I got there, I realized there were so many different areas. There were career services. There was activities. There was leadership development. There was diversity, equity, inclusion. I was like, oh, my God. I can do all of these things. And as a RA, you have to do a little bit of everything anyway. You have to program, you have to help, you know, listen to people's issues and mediate and do all these different things. And it was feeding me. Hmm. And fast forward to when I joined the Puttyverse and when I first saw Emily's speech, I was like, this is why I stayed in higher ed for so long. Hmm. Because my my trajectory in higher ed was one where I would go, oh, I love working in housing, but I don't like this part and this part. Okay, what can I do where I get to do these parts? So I moved from res life into activities and programming, into leadership development, into diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, yeah. And then um, because I had all of those little those little parts when I went out to become a Dean of Students and the school that I was at was like, we need to build a student affairs division. We don't really have a lot of student affairs functions and it's not united. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I've been exposed to all of these so I can help you do that. And so all of those diverse experiences and expertise and different things kind of combined together to, you know, make me the candidate to do this job And it fed something in me. The thing that it didn't feed in me was once I got to that level, it was meetings, bureaucracy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the irony. Stuff that has nothing to do with it. The higher you get, the more out of touch you become. 
Yeah, and it was it was really it was a it was a toxic environment. Mm. It was a very toxic environment. It was a very political environment, and it was an environment where there was a lot of doing stuff that didn't get any work done, that didn't impact people, or that tried to appear to be impacting or doing something, but hmm. steady working against it, right? So this is what you were doing in Minnesota. Yes. Right. So this was, uh, so when the pandemic hit, we all had to like, of course, go to our homes and work from there. And it got me out of the toxic environment. I was still doing the work, but at the same time, it was like, oh, you have all this time now to think and reflect and I was thinking and reflecting about what do I want to do? Because at that time I had already started to take steps towards doing like a side hustle. Okay. Doing some type of side business. Sure. Um, I was in a business networking group. I was, you know, doing most of these different things. And I was like, okay, what do I want to do? You know, do I want to just change jobs and just change to a different university? What do I want to do? Hmm. And so right around... April or May, that's when we were all optimistic again. And we were like, okay, let's <laughs> course, yeah. let's let's make some plans about what's gonna happen when we go back yeah. on campus. And something inside me just screamed, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Once you're out like that kind of halfway, it's hard to to turn around and go back, right? Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> I I was you know, because, you know, on your day to day, you get pulled into a situation and yeah. you really can't see it. You're just surviving. And there are bad days and you're just like done. And then the next day is an all right day. And so you kind of forget mm. and you just keep going. And I was just like, I can't, I don't want to go back. And something within me said, you don't have to. What else could you do? And that's when I started plotting and planning. And when I came to the decision, I'm not going to go back. I'm just going to get out. I started doing like calculations in my head of like, <laughs> I didn't have a big nest egg saved up or anything, but I knew like, here are my next paychecks. Here is, you know, here's how long I could go if I just saved a little bit here, there, or whatever. And when I decided to I was doing it. I was like, no turning back. I'm doing it. I know exactly the date. I picked a date that I was going to tell them, a date I was going to leave, what I was going to do. Oh, yeah. I had such a peace. And it was like all of the noise and all of the anxiety that I would ever have, like occasionally have, or all of those you know, feelings that I would have about not feeling like I was living my life the way I wanted to, mm -hmm. they just went away and it all became about, okay, so let's do this. How did you feel towards money and finances and income at that point? I feel like I always take them into account. Again, I'm a single woman and that means mama's got to work if mama <laughs> wants to eat and have, you know, food on the table. But I knew I could figure it out. The job that I was in was the first job where I can honestly say I was making way more than I needed. And so it was the first time I had, I was able to like have disposable income. So, you know, I had the great gym membership <laughs> with the extra little, you know, the little bar where you can go sit in the massage chairs and, and, you know, I had this and that or whatever. <laughs> and at first that was like a very big concern for me. I was like, 
you're living at this level, like how are you going to sustain it? And one day I was walking because I would, I try to walk and run in the morning and I was walking and I was doing the math in my head. And I thought to myself, you know what, if you didn't have to go and be in that stressful job, would you need the gym membership? Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause I spent the mornings like getting myself prepared and centered to go into this environment that I knew was going to like rip every piece of sanity (laughs) that I had left. And then I would have to like go home and like rebuild myself to go in again. I'm like, so if you didn't have to do this, you could save money. If you could just go outside and go for a walk, you wouldn't have to have an expensive gym membership. You would just get you know, yeah. which again, maybe you should move to a place where you can go outside <laughs> most of the time versus a place where, you know, you got a good three and a half, maybe four months where you can be outside. And so you have to find a place to exercise inside. Maybe if you weren't constantly feeling anxiety or being basically bullied in your in your workplace maybe you wouldn't have to center yourself so deeply by you know getting massage and you know having all that good stuff and so i was like what can you live with cuz i had before years before had this whole minimalist realization of like okay i need money to do the things that i think are absolutely necessary i don't need everything else i don't need a big apartment i don't need a fancy car I don't need any of these different things. I like nice things, mm-hmm. but I don't need like everything. Right. And so I had already done that battle of realizing that I can survive at any income level. I just have to be intentional about how I spend money. Mm-hmm. Plus making a break like that to pack everything up, get rid of stuff and start over in San Diego choosing that apartment and the size and everything that goes with it, it forces you already, like you, you kind of cut all of your cords, I guess. Like it was easy to leave mm-hmm. the, the memberships and all that kind of stuff instead of like being reminded of it. Maybe every time you go out, you know, like you're in a totally different place. So do you feel like refreshed, renewed, rebirth since you've been there? Oh yeah. I mean, I was feeling that beforehand. I was feeling again, the, the realizations that I get, you know, uh, again, I'm a self-awareness junkie at this point. Like everything is about growth, uh, <laughs> growth and authenticity. Those are my core values. <laughs> Being more myself, becoming myself, living the life that is true to me is both my personal mission and goal and also the goal of my business is to help people to realize like, if you're trying to make a transition, you can do it. It might seem like a totally off yeah. You know, off transition. It's like, okay, you're going to go from being a dean of students to being a coach and doing blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, that's totally off base. And it's like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in line with who I am and who I want to be. And when I found the putty verse, and when I realized that being a multi potentialite was an aspect of who I was mm. and that I could embrace it even more was like, that was a freeing part. So after having made the decision to leave, all of those other parts start to flow through. Because I, I totally believe that when you make a decision, that, that old saying, like when you, when, you, when you make a decision or set your intention, the universe rises up yep. uh, you know, to help you. Yeah. And it did. It literally, like, I, 
I found the putty verse and it was like, that helped me kind of realize like I didn't have to, cause I was trying to, one of the things I was racking my brains with was like, okay, you have to pick a direction for your business and you have to pick which thing you're going to do. And it was like, putty verse was like, no, you don't. And I was like, Whoa, that's a load off. I can just do what I want to do. And it was that. And then I was like, well, how am I going to get out there and where am I going to stay? And I was, I planned to finish my job up the beginning of September, but I decided I wanted to stay in Minnesota for September to prepare. I didn't want to leave sure. my job and then get in the car and drive to California. Yeah. Next day. Yeah. So I needed a place to stay in the interim. And I was looking at Airbnbs and I I couldn't find something. And then the prices went up and I was just looking around. I was just like, I can't find anything. Mm. Right. And then I got this one guy and he was like, maybe I can get it to you, but somebody else's, my friend wants it. So I'll get back to you in a couple of days. And I was talking to a friend of mine, letting her know that I had given my notice and I was going to be leaving. And I was telling her about the situation I was having with the Airbnb. And she said, well, why don't you come and stay with us? And so she she let me stay. She was like, I have, you know, we have this like little room downstairs and there's a kitchen downstairs, whatever, whatever. They had like basically like this finished basement and it was her, her husband and their, their little boy. And she said, you can stay with us for the month. And I was like, well, okay, how much? And she was like, nothing. Really? They let me stay with them for the whole month of September. Wow. No rent, no nothing. So that was a month of expenses that I had been planning for that I didn't have to do. I didn't ask her to do it. I didn't float it out there to her thinking like she's going to ask me to stay with her. And and honestly, we weren't very close friends. You know, we weren't like the friends that I hung out with the majority mm-hmm. of the time. So for her to offer it wasn't even like, yeah, you're my best friend. Of course, I know I could stay with you and I know you're going to offer me this kind of thing. And it was just all of these fortunate coincidences that happened along the way, even when I got to to San Diego, because at first I said I was going to stay in Airbnbs yeah. temporarily. And I got out here and the Airbnb, it was like a comedy of errors. Like when I got there, there were just so many things that were wrong. And I kept going you know, just make it work, make it work. You know, yes, there's an ant infestation and yes, you know, there are spiders meeting you in the morning in the bathroom that are big that you have to kill. Or, you know, the noise is so much that you can't have the meetings that you need to have and there's no air conditioner. And when I sat down and said, okay, I really do want to live in San Diego, but I was doing that thing where like you step out and you like have one foot back. It's like, if things don't work out, I could just pack up the car and leave. Mm. Right. If I just have six weeks of an apartment, I could pack up the car and leave. And I realized, I said, nope, I want to live here. I'm going to be living here. I might as well go get an apartment and pay for an apartment versus giving yep. that money to an Airbnb. Then you're right? committed. And so yeah. I got here Thursday afternoon on the 1st of October. <laughs> By Saturday morning, I realized I cannot live here and had spoken with the lady. Mm-hmm. She said she would let me out. And I went looking for an apartment on Saturday. And I found a place that just so happens they had a special two months rent free. Really? Wow. And I was like, bet. And so (laughs) I signed that contract. And then that Monday I moved into my apartment where I am right now. Nice. And it's been fantastic and lovely. And like you said, I do wake up more joyful because I'm near the water. I can walk, you know, every morning I can get out and go walk by the harbor 
mm-hmm. and get exercise and I'm safe. I'm in a nice area. I can walk to different restaurants. I'm living downtown at this point. And so there's just like all these things that just fall into place when you choose to go with your heart and what you really know you should be doing. You know, San Diego is a hotbed for the internet entrepreneurs. Did you know? Yeah. I did not. (laughs) Oh, wow. So this might be the latest thing, seriously, because I mean, people can't get together so much right now. Obviously, it'll come back. But I mean, people would know someone like uh, Pat Flynn and um, oh, who else? Amy Porterfield, I think, and various people who are like the online influencers and stuff. And they live in San Diego. So, you know, you know, you can often see them around town or they have little coffee meetups and get togethers and stuff that people like me would love to go to if it was just down the street oh. and you're there. And I've heard stories of people who've moved to San Diego because it's like the place to be if you are a solo entrepreneur, you know, working online, building business, yada, yada. But you you need the social contact as as well and some kind of community and, and the supportive environment. And it's there like it's really the place to find those like minded people concentrated in in a spot. So keep your eye out for that, you know, as things open up some more. I will definitely cuz I and anything you know, <laughs> let me know because I didn't even like again, I didn't pick San Diego for any of those reasons. It was just something in me. Wow. I kind of assumed you had, so that's funny. <laughs> no, not at all. Like I knew I didn't want to do Los Angeles. I thought that Los Angeles was a little too I visited yeah. Los Angeles and I visited San Diego and I was like San Diego's more my speed. Like it's a city but it's, you know, not sure. as congested, not as hard to navigate. And Sounds pretty nice. The weather, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I just say the weather? So I was just like, when I visited that one time, something, I tend to trust my instincts and my intuition more now. I used to not, I used to ignore it, but I know from history that when I trust it and I just go with it, that it's right. And oh. Something just said, San Diego, this is where I feel good. This is this is the place I want to go. And it just all just fell in line. That's cool. That's really neat. I think that quite a few of us have stories like that where we trusted our gut, our instinct. And, you know, you had you had kind of like a wide open decision where you could do anything, you could go anywhere. And that can be intimidating. It's exciting, but it's a bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? You kind of trust your gut, you know, as best you can. There's a bit of research and facts behind it. But ultimately, yeah, especially especially if you're doing it by yourself and you don't know anybody, really. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you know that wherever you're going to go, you're going to be like really digging deep within yourself to get out there, meet people or just connect and make it work. You don't have that kind of network to fall back on. And so, yeah, it really, a lot of it comes down to just your gut instinct. Yeah. And again, if I know my history, because that's the other thing, we make it seem like we've never done anything and we don't have any experience and stuff. I'm like, I've been training for Mm. this my whole life. I've always moved and had to find new places and had to find new connections. And I have skills and abilities that I used when I was working in higher ed that I can use as a business person. I just have to think about how those connections are made. I remember when I first started like this idea of like, maybe I should be doing something different. Like years and years ago, I'm a very organized person. One of the things that I do is I'm a, I organize. So I help people like (laughs) organize their spaces, organize their, you know, their time and all that good stuff. And so one of the quotes that I ran across that was very impactful for me because I was always an organized person, but I felt like I was, I was, you know, in a job, 
I didn't necessarily like and I was in debt and all this other stuff. And I was just like, I don't know. I want to do something different. And I saw this quote and the quote said, organize your life around your dreams and watch them come true. And I was like, well, crap, I can organize. (laughs) Like if I can do nothing else, I can organize some things. And that was an eye-opening moment for me because I was like, I can organize. I just wasn't organizing the right things. And I wasn't intentionally and mindfully looking at where I wanted to get to and then drawing a line. I was just kind of floating. Well, this person will give me a job and well, I can make money here and I could live Mm. there. Uh, That was always my thing. Well, I could live there. You know, I can live anywhere. Right. So I wound up in, you know, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. I wound up in the Twin Cities and my dad looked at me one time. He was like, you must really like the cold weather. I was like, I don't. I hate it. And he was like, well, you always live in these cold places. And it was like, because I would go for the job and then I'd be like, I can live there. So when I said, where do you want to live? I was like, I want to live in San Diego. I didn't just, oh, San Diego could do. I was like, no, I want to live here. And therefore everything else will fall into place. So I organized my life to be what I want it to be, not what I think I had to settle for or what was the most practical, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah, that's neat. It's very intentional. It's wonderful being intentional and, uh, you know, making those decisions that are positive and proactive instead of reactive, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, before we wrap up, I really want to hear more about the details of your business. So tell us like what kind of things, what kind of services you offer and, and what mm-hmm. the plan is for your business. Well, always evolving, of course. But um, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a certified personal and executive coach, and I also do a lot of work with different leadership organizations. Um, I do facilitated workshops. I do speaking. I do emceeing that type of things. But I speak to people again around that idea of how do you organize yourself? How do you reclaim your life and put that in order? Because I think that again, people have all of these wishes, but they don't have a plan. So my goal is always to help people come up with a plan. Okay. And part and the 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 cornerstone of that plan is always who are you? And are you being honest about who you are and what you really want? And how do you build that awareness of those things? And then let's alter things, you know, so that everything serves that. So even if it's like organizing your house, okay. What is your vision for your house? What do you want your house to be to you? What does the house mean to you? Now, with that new self-awareness of what you actually want your house to be, let's organize it. Because some people are like, oh, well, I need to have 15 different rooms. Do you want 15 different rooms? Or is that just what you've been told is success? And you're trying to be what you think you should be or get what you think you ought to get or think get things that you think will make you happy, but you haven't really even thought about what makes you happy. So Mm -hmm. my goal is to help people be aware of that and then help them transition, make those tiny transitions and changes. Do you do that mostly through kind of coaching one-on-one sessions or do you have other like programs and stuff in the works? Well, here are the programs. So I have one-on-one coaching and that's both long-term and I also do strategy sessions. So some people just need like a, things are out of whack. I need to sit down and like come up with a plan and then they are fine with implementing the plan. So I have like a three hour strategy session that people can do. I have one-on-one coaching, which is a longer term, like, 
you know, regular coaching one-on-one. And then I'm in the process of creating like a group coaching community. So one of the things that I do personally with my cohort of my friends is I lead a weekly planning session. So we get together each Sunday and we go, okay, what went well with this week? What didn't go well? What are our goals and priorities for the coming week? And let's sit down and see how we're going to arrange our schedules so that we can get those things in. So like a mastermind. Yeah. Sort of like a little like, hey, let's get it together. But it's for, you know, we're all doing different things, but it's it's just that touch point of somebody to say, sharing the good things for you to, yeah. you know, be reflective about your week. So I want to do that on a larger scale. So I'm thinking a group coaching community where people could pay a monthly fee and mm-hmm. they can be in the community where we would have like the weekly sessions but then you could add on stuff like if you wanted one-on-one coaching, you could pay a little bit of a higher price. And then once a month, you would also get a coaching session. And then the other thing that I do and have worked on are online coaching courses and online content. So those are the other ways that I do it. But I also do speaking with different organizations. And I also work with organizations who want to implement like leadership development and training for either their clients or their employees. Were you able to tap into some of your existing network and contacts to to get things going? Yes, definitely. That's good. So um, an organization that I did facilitations for for many years, they were my first client. And so I helped them and I was their client on staff kind of client coach for two of their programs that they had to transition to online because of the pandemic. And then while I was doing that program, one of the facilitators in that program um, recommended me for another job with another faculty fellowship program that an institution is doing. And so I'm going to help them do their weekend facilitations and be their MC for their panel discussions and everything. So yeah, it's, it's definitely like word of mouth and things are happening. So it's really great. There's been ups and downs. There's been that mind game going on. And so this is where I get to really, I'm at another point where I get to really start to craft it in the way that I want it to, because one thing that the job I was doing with my organization was it gave me an anchor, but it also some became a bit of a crutch. Mm. So instead of working more on my business, I was working more time on their stuff mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, this is a regular paycheck, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, know like yeah, like. let me pour more into that and let me see if I can keep that going and keep that going. And it became that sort of like, I was like, oh, maybe they'll hire me and then I could do that and do work. And it was like, no, you're doing exactly the opposite of what you said you wanted to do, which is create yeah. your own business. So my work kind of wrapped up with them last week. And so the month of May, I'm actually dedicating to writing a book. Oh, cool. So I wanted to write a book for a long time about my experiences, and I just haven't dedicated time to it. So I'm writing the book. I'm doing some more more solidifying of which programs I want to roll out next and just focusing on the business and and not like the tasks of the business, but the concept of the business and the goals of the business and bringing that to more fruition because I was kind of like flying by the seat of my pants a little bit. Yeah. And of my own creating. It's good to take action, but still. Yeah. yeah. It was my own creation because again, I had that one foot in, one foot out, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, you need a steady job and you're on your <laughs> own. 
Yeah, it's just, it's a tricky time when you're, you're between those two worlds, you know, and especially if you do have something reliable. I, I'm in exactly the same place. I still have a seasonal job, which I don't want to do anymore, but it's regular paycheck yeah. for a while and, and um, kind of buys me a lot more time. But I'm very conscious how it's going to slow down my own business pursuits. But the question is how much? How much can I still sustain things? So I don't know. I, I feel like you, you just got to make the best decision in the moment. You know, in my case, like it's a short term thing. It's like four months or so and then it's done and then I can get back on with things. Yeah. So I put that in perspective. If it was like an indefinite, indetermined uh, length of time, that would be a different story because then I'd really have to quit. With this, it just I can just kind of, it ends and then, you know, I decide whether I want to go back or not. So it helps. But, you know, you really do have to look at just circumstances and what makes sense in the moment, I feel. But we, that's it. You know, we trust our gut. We make the best decision. We we really learn, realize what, what uh, the best thing is that we have to do. So yeah, where do you, uh, where can we find you then? Where do you, uh, aside from the upcoming book, where can we find your content and thoughts and, <laughs> and insight? Well, anyone can email me. I'm Joan at authenticandorganized.com. That's my business. The Authentically Organized Life okay. is my business. Uh, is the title of my business. And I do have both on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, it's the AO Life is the handle. And I'm Joan Mays on Facebook, but I'm also, I have a the Authentically Organized Life page on Facebook also. Okay. So yeah, the website is under construction, but it's authenticandorganized.com. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but if you go there, please... Uh, be gentle and, and non-judgmental because it's definitely under construction. Well, that's, you know, again, every little bit of action helps. So don't leave it under construction for too long. <laughs> no, this is another one of those like, oh, yes, we could do this now that we have our plates cleared. This can yeah, go on. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this has been great. Really, really nice to get to know you and hear some of your story. I'm sure, I'm sure it's been inspiring for people listening who can relate and you know, any, any of us who have had to, or chosen even, to make those big decisions, make a big change in our lives, and so many of us have done that, I think willingly, I think quite intentionally, and it's very empowering. It feels good. It's scary. It's a bit overwhelming, but it's mm -hmm. it's one of those life-changing experiences that, you know, we'll look back in the future and say, that was the moment when when things changed, mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure you feel yeah. that way, and I feel that way with my stuff, and a lot of us do. So great to hear it from you and your experience in that. I hope to have you on the show again, and we'll definitely see you around in the, in the forums. Yes, definitely. And I can't stress how helpful Puttyverse has been to me. And it just allows me to be even more of myself. And I think that the more people are themselves and the more that they tap into that, the happier they will be. And our, our world would be so much happier if we were less judgmental of other people and just... Mm -hmm more in tune with who we are yeah. and ourselves. Yeah, well said. Cool. Well, thanks very much. Thank you.